put it all down. I was the record keeper. Yeah, pretty much did that. They could walk in the edge of town and go across the town. Where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as a ship and crack. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Stabcast. I'm Mindy. And I'm Dan. And we're we're back. We're here on another Sunday, another spooky Sunday, and we're here to give you our ultimate horror movie ideas. We're going one apiece. We're me and Mindy are each giving a pitch here, and we're gonna come up with our version of a horror movie. It's if a studio came to us and said, "Come up with something," and then we I did some of the casting, but we're also gonna get into plot and stuff and kills and all that fun stuff. And but, also scenery. Yeah. I also want to talk a little bit into how we would could actually make our movies and do a real fan movie or something For sure. by using cheap locations and cheaper actors and actresses. Yes. That is going to be more on your <laughs> side of things. I went more of... Dan, you went more Hollywood. Yeah, I went more of Warner Brothers gave me $100 million. Yeah, I went, I went more with if Chewie gave me an hour. <laughs> but my plot, when we get into it, my plot is simplistic enough to where you could do all this with cheaper actors and cheaper... Exactly. So I do think that this will be a beneficial podcast, not even just for Daniel and I and for all of you, but just to benefit us all because we might come... This might be a really good brainstorming idea. Yeah. So if anyone wants to call in and share your opinions, go ahead. I think Daniel's got the number posted. Yes. Um, but... We're going to go ahead and uh, go into horror news first, because that's normally what... And if nobody calls in at the end or some shit, and we still have a little bit of time at the end, we'll fucking hop over to Reddit and see some fan theories and see what, what, what other people, fans in the community, think and their ideas. There we go. Because there's a shit ton of them there. There is. Uh, what news do you got? I, I got a few news topics, Daniel, actually. It's really popping this year. Okay. Like, 2023 has been a really good year for horror, Okay. honestly. I mean, Megan was fantastic. Yes. We already did a review on that, so I'm not going to double back on that much. Terrifier is about to come out with another one, as far as I know. He's going to be getting a third film. And I love Art of the Clown. I think he's hilarious. I love Art, too. I think we needed a new horror clown. I, I, I got some news with him, too, after you, so let's just okay. not forget Art. Okay. Uh, why don't you go ahead and... Well, I started, art. I started watching something, which isn't horror, so that's why I didn't bring it up for the show, but I forgot about this scene. Uh, Bupkiss with Pete Davidson. It's on Peacock. It's his new horror, not horror, it's his new TV show, and it's like kind of a look into his life, but it's like uh, fictionalized. Joe Pesci's his grandfather. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it's pretty funny, and it's good, but there's a scene, I think, in the second-to-last episode where Pete's in rehab, and Pete starts, like, imagining that, like, various figures in his, like, just things that I guess he watches or thinks about are in rehab giving confessionals. Eli Manning pops up, the rapper Jadakiss, but also Art the Clown pops up, and Art the Clouds on the stool, like pointing at him and shit, and smiling and doing art type stuff. That's and Pete's fucking freaking the fuck out. And I was like, all right, that little nod, I gotta remember that for Mindy when I see it. That's hysterical to me because, like, 
other than, we were talking about this the other day, too, other than Killer Count Crown from Outer Space and the several times that they tried to send serial killers to outer space. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we don't have any really killer clowns no. anymore. And we were really talking about the absence of mascots in the modern day. Exactly. And like of a Freddy or shit like that. Yeah, there are no more icons. The closest we have is an art. Pretty much. <laughs> and Megan. Yeah, Megan's too. getting there now, yeah. I think she's going to end up there too as well. It's too fresh right now, but yeah. I think yeah. eventually. I want to totally jump the gun. I would say let's wait to see what, how the sequel turns out. But Terrifier 2 and 1 and All Hallows Eve is where he actually comes from. Yes. Um, are They're very intense. They're very gory. They're not for everybody. But if you're the kind of person like Daniel and I, and sometimes you just like to watch people get spiced up for no good fucking reason, <laughs> you might like it. It's a fun ride. Yeah. Especially the second one. It's it's because it's really, it's fun. It's just fun. It's very fun. I love those movies. Now, Daniel's going to be very somewhat excited and somewhat not. So Final Destination 6 is coming back. Oh, Jesus Christ. But it has gone back into filming. Now, guys, we have been following this for like four years now. It's been 12 years since the last one, since Final Destination 5. Yeah. And they keep on changing the story. Like, first it was going to be about first responders for all the accidents that happened in all five movies. Then it was going to be scratch that, let's put them on a cruise ship. Then it was going to be scratch that, let's put them in another amusement park. Then it went back to scratch that, let's go back to the first responders. Scratch that, let's go back to the cruise ship. Now they're back on the first responders. Is what I last heard. For art? No, no, no. Or Final Destination. Final Destination. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they have gone back in for filming. As far as I know, it will be about the cruise ship. Do not hold me on it because they've changed their mind like seven times. They're going to do like a first responders like firemen and shit or first responders to COVID? They want No, 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 no. <laughs> they want first responders to the incidents that happened in the other five Final Destinations. Oh, that's fucking sick. That's how they were going to do it. And I'm okay with that. But the whole cruise ship thing, I'm not getting. How? I don't want another whole thing. Well, you can't do it to the... Or like the first... Oh, the guys that came and cleaned up the messes? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant... That's like, how the first responder thing could go. Yeah. But the cruise ship wouldn't include anybody. Yeah, Except yeah. for Tony Todd. He's already casted in it because it, this is just a series. Because I was about to say, if you're bringing in main characters, so that, like a lot of them die. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, what are you going to do? Um, but it'll be released sometime in 2024. Okay. Also, the movie that we were talking about last week with Willem Dafoe inside did come out a few weeks ago. I'm sorry. It came out March 23rd. Um I'm actually very surprised because Willem Dafoe basically carries the entire movie on his back because he's the only one in it. Yes. He plays an art piece that gets locked in the luxury penthouse and has to find his way to survive. Basically like a 1408, but without the ghost. Yes. You're going more mentally insane. So it's more of like a seclusion kind of insanity. And I'm very surprised because it's uh, got an even keel on IMDb. It's got a 5.5 out of 10. It's got a 63 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very good. And then it's got a 53 on Metacritic, which is for critics only. And that's 
that's pretty good. Especially for head, like just being the one person in a movie. Because normally, when you have just one person and the whole movie just focuses on what we thought was Till Death. Yeah. Megan Fox basically was the only person. Yeah. For a while. That can hurt a movie and it can help a movie. Yeah. You you have to have a strong enough actor to carry it. Yes. And without so, taking away from it. Yes. If he's not if it's not strong enough and doesn't give a strong enough performance, it's not gonna work. From what I've heard, it worked. It was an even keel. Also hmm. Saw X Yes. will be coming out. Uh, right after a couple of days after being his birthday, yeah, ten twenty-seven. Oh shit. Yep. So that's probably what I'm going to take to birthday this year. Because there will be no Halloween. Um. Thank God. But Halloween is coming back. Oh Jesus! It just ended. In 2024, and it will have Michael. They got rid of the whole Halloween Rises bullshit where they were going to have Corey. Um, Michael is coming back, and it's going to be called Halloween Season of the Boogeyman. Michael is back to kill. Okay. I I don't I really don't have any hope. I don't give a shit anymore. I, I mean, they're turning into like the nineties, pretty yeah. much. Like the... at this point, Daniel and I ha- didn't even see the other, the like, the last two in theaters. No. Like we watched them. I all. mean, it was in the middle of the pandemic, and they were given to us free at the same time. So. But but still. But then those movies still made a lot. So yeah. so people did still go to see them. We weren't one of them. We went and saw the first one in 2018. Now, I do have a confessional to make on this show. Okay. And you can't be mad at me. I will not be mad But I have my free movie pass, my AMC. Well, I pay for it a month. But mm-hmm. late night, uh, like a few days ago, I forgot if it was last Wednesday or something, I did go out and check out Evil Dead. By my, Evil Dead Rise. That's your sister. By myself, though. I did not take a oh. date. I did not take share. I did not cheat on you. What did I you went think? by myself. What did you think? Uh, I, I heard 50-50. Let, if I'm being honest, I hated it. Okay. And I'm glad we didn't see it together because I was, I was like, falling asleep and I had to go grab the popcorn because I thought it sucked. I thought, like, if you're a fan of it and we can watch it and then go over it when it comes on streaming. And do it I official. heard to save our money. Yeah. Because. If I didn't have the pass, I wouldn't have saw it. But yeah, it was like. Because eh. that was the first week that you told me we had the pass when it came out. Yeah. And I was talking to my manager about it. And he was like, seriously, I understand you guys don't have a pass. But you guys have a pass and everything. He's like, but don't even waste your pass on it. Yeah. Don't waste your pass. Don't waste your money. It was not good. No. And it had the Evil Dead effects. And it had the corny campy. And there's come some iconic scenes. Like when the little kids like. Uh, going out of the peephole out of the door and then she sees her mom all evil dead like all like a demon and she's like let me in honey and shit like that it's like certain scenes like that work but but that was probably the scenes that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell worked on probably and besides that you can only see blood coming out of different shit so many times like I can only see blood coming out of the walls or the shining out of a fucking elevator or any like it's like there's so much blood out of so much bullshit and it's just and it didn't used to be like that it used to be campy yeah and it was still campy and they still made it like that but it just didn't work for me okay uh, I'll, I'll, I completely understand. It's not for everybody. Honestly, I like the remake yeah. more than a lot of people, including my fiance. My fiance was actually angry with me yeah. that I like the remake more. But you guys got to remember, Daniel and I were favorable to slasher films. Yeah. 
And I never minded Sam Raimi's original Evil Dead, and it's like I can appreciate that as a classic. It's yeah, not really for me, but and, yeah. I mean, he does an amazing job with his directorial stuff. Don't yeah, get us wrong; he's an amazing director. He is, but he's a gross director. Yeah, and I, I, I don't mind it in the right setting. I just thought this, and I saw a lot of people like this is a great foot forward for the franchise. It's, like I just thought, and I feel like you need Ash a little bit. You need Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. and he wasn't nowhere to be found. And he didn't want to be in it. And it's just, there was a lot about it that I was like, eh, I'm good. So it, it just wasn't, I would like, right now, I give it like a three out of ten. I didn't think it was that great. Damn, all right. Well, but. then we're probably not even <laughs> Um Beetlejuice is coming back to filming. It will be out next year. And it has officially casted two new members. Oh, gosh. Willem Dafoe, after a successful outcome with Inside. Now, is he Beetlejuice? No. Beetlejuice used to be played by the original Michael Keaton. They got almost the original cast back. That's why. So Michael Keaton will be playing Beetlejuice. But guess who they also got is Lydia's daughter. Everybody thought it was going to be Christina Ricci, but it is in fact going to be Janet and Ortega. Sorry, Christina. And I'm not surprised because Tim Burton is the one that's doing this project. And it's to me that Little Miss Ortega is going to be like the next Johnny Depp. Like, you know how like the Edward Scissorhands, yeah. Barbara Fleet Street, like the dark stuff. Well, she's kind of like a gothic queen. She yeah. just seems like, and she lives it when she dresses and goes out and shit. And exactly. And I think that's why she does a great job as like characters like Wednesday and whatnot. And like, I understand there's a lot of controversy going on with the actress right now. She doesn't want to be known just for one character and whatnot. But I mean, Unfortunately, Peter, you make a lot of money off of it, so you might not think about it. Yeah, and even if you don't, like, I think just the gothic horror, like, type shit is her, her box. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. She reminds me of a young Johnny Depp. Yeah, she doesn't have to, like, I would say, yeah, play Wednesday for a few more seasons and get that check. But, I mean, she can do whatever she wants to do. And, obviously, she's in a point in her career where I think a lot of avenues are open. And she can pretty much say, I want to do this. So, uh, you know, and I'm a fan, and I'm excited, and I, I like watching her. And Beetlejuice is a classic, and I'm sure, you know, Tim Burton doesn't do shit if he really doesn't care about it. So, And this is a project that he's been working on and, like, I'm sure. figuring out on whether or not he wants to do it for years. Yeah. It's come out that he's want to do another Beetlejuice. Yeah. So this one's a pretty big deal, and... I I like her. I like her. She was great in Scream. She's great in Wednesday. She's, and we even know her from other ones. Yeah, the babysitter. She's the babysitter yeah. coming, coming clean. Yep. And like even a couple other ones. Like we've seen her in other things. It's, it's just she does horror very well. And even though I shit on that movie in the show, her performance wasn't a bad part of it. I thought no. she was fine in it. Yeah, her performance did great. It was just Tamara Weavering should have been in it more. Yeah. And it was just, it was a sequel. Isn't it funny that those two have been around each other now in two movies and not really had much, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're just both in the same movies, just in different parts of it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny. All right, you want to get into the meat and potatoes? Yeah, let's get into the meat and potatoes. Why don't you go first? Okay. So I have a lot, but I'm basically, my movie is called Windbreaker. And it's set in this small town called in Wind, Ohio. That's what it's called. It's called Wind. Okay. 
And uh, I have a pretty fucking blockbuster cast. My, I definitely wasn't going the low-budget route when I put this together. And uh, I have my main cast. My main gr- character is uh, Anya Taylor-Joy as this lady named Allison Rogers. And pretty much the, the, the plot of this thing is they're in this small town and a lot of these young adults, I won't say high school because they're like graduated and kind of like college-y. So like young adults. Yeah, young adults. And they have this, like, party, and they get really fucked up. And then, you know, the next day, uh, they wake up, and everybody from the town is missing. All the adults, like, everybody around, parents, everybody, little kids, everybody's gone, uh, except for them. The town's very deserted, and then it's got that shadowy look, kind of, and that foggy look. The atmosphere is very, not the fog, but similar to that, or, like, the mist, but you can still see shit. Like, like, you can still see past it, but it does have that foggy, like, and it starts raining a little bit more and shit, and it's just that darkness feel. And, there, and nobody's around, except for two middle-aged women. One's played by Nev Campbell. Her name is, <laughs> her name is Lori Baker, uh, and she is looking for her daughter, Brooke. Brooke has gone missing. She went to bed the, the night before. She woke up and didn't know what was happening. And he's playing Brooke. Uh, we ne- the one of the hitches is we never find Brooke, but uh, <laughs> that's later in the story and it's very sad. But Brooke never really makes it the light of day. But and we the other uh, middle aged woman we have and not really they, these women are in their forties and they still age like a fine wine. But I'm just saying for the story, Eliza Dushku I have is Nancy James and she's looking for her wife, uh, Abby James who is played by the great Sarah Michelle Keller. <laughs> uh, Sarah, you said you wanted to come back to the horror realm. We're ready. She's not in it often. She's kind of like, she, she shows up later, but, you know, she's in it. And then we have our young adults. Obviously, the top one is uh, Allison, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. And then, kind of a love interest romantic for her, is my boy Chad Mason Gooding, playing John. I don't have a last name for him. Uh, and then I have Miles Robinson, who, uh, great turn is Dylan in the quarry. We really liked him. And he's like the stoner friend. Oh, isn't he the one that looks like a sprout? He is the one that looks he's like a sprout. He's the one that looks like a sprout. And he was the one was, that was with London for most of the game. Okay. Uh, I'm so sorry, Sprouse boys. I know, I know you guys had different names, Dylan and Cole. I apologize. But you guys look so much alike. And this character, if you have not played the quarry, play it because this character looks exactly like you two. Well, the funny thing about that, now that you mentioned that, Mindy, is because Randy is the stoner and he's the friend and he, he he's good friends with John. Well, the other two characters, twin brothers, Sal and Brad Wyndham, whose parents run the town and his dad's the mayor, uh, are played by Cole and Dylan Sprouse. <laughs> And I swear to God, I, I can show you. I had that before she even said that. But I have the Sprouse twins in this movie. And Cole Sprouse, Sal Wyndham, is the artsy, you know, kind of like how Cole is in real life. Like the Riverdale, wear a beanie, smoke a cigarette type guy. Like, all right. Like, he's uh, too much up his own ass. Yeah. And Dylan Sprouse is kind of the wild man. Not like Zach on the show, but because not like cool and popular, but just kind of like he'll do anything for the family. He just fucking, he, he doesn't fuck around. Uh-huh. And then you have 
Miles Teller as as the third brother, the third Wyndham brother, Travis, and he's the older brother. And he basically runs shit. And then rounding out our young adults, I have Bella Thorne as a young promiscuous woman named Rebecca, who is somewhat friends with Allison, but we know what Bella Thorne's going to do. <laughs> and that is our main cast. Now, the only other person in the movie is because while all this is happening, when they wake, when they fucking look around the next day, and then they see this darkness, even though it's like noon, and then it starts raining. And then they're a big group and they're in the middle of the street. And they look over in the middle of the street and they say this big hulking like monster-like man with clown makeup and long black hair. And uh, I have him played by Derek Muse, who played Jason. But he could he could literally be any stunt actor in Hollywood, a big one. But And this is our main assailant, our main killer. We find out why he shows up later. But he's in the middle of the street, and the group's yelling to him, and he says nothing. And rain's coming down. So Miles Teller's character, Travis, he walks up to him, and he starts fucking, you know, fucking with him because he runs the town. He's like, I've never seen you and all that shit. He's got to touch him on the shoulder. The, our, our killer, well, I won't call him the killer yet, <laughs> but our monster fucking he reaches his hand out and then Travis kind of laughs at him and he goes to shake his hand and then he grabs Travis's arm, rips it off his fucking body. Like it's a real bodyguard type shit. And he's got the fucking wound and he's like shaking and shit and his blood, blood's like flowing down and he falls on the ground and shack. And then the killer just fucking throws the arm over to, uh, to the group. And then, like, in the middle of the street. And then they just fucking start panicking. They start running away as he starts walking towards them. And then they disperse into two different groups, pretty much. And what you get is, you get, hold up. Allison is with Randy and John, Mesa Gooding and Miles Robinson, uh, Allison, Anya Taylor-Joy. Okay. Those, those three are with uh, Nancy, Eliza Dushku, and they start running towards the hospital. And then another group with Lori, Nev Campbell's character, Bella Thorne, Rebecca, and the Wyndham brothers, the twins. They they head towards the high school. <laughs> While they're going towards the hospital, Randy, because we got to fuck that, because that kid got fucked up in the quarry a bunch. Our, our monster, fucking, he, he, he has a bow and arrow out of nowhere. And he fucking shoots the kid right through the ankle. And then he, they all stumble in, and it works out. And then we, we get some plot device. Uh, obviously, they're in the hospital trying to find some stuff to patch him up now. But also, uh, while the other groups in the high school, they find a binder in, like, a locker somewhere, and it's like a hidden prophecy. It's something about an angel of death and calling it to a town and, and doing a sacrifice and stuff like that. And that kind of lays groundwork for later on in the movie. Now, did, do we want to cut and go to yours at some point, or do you want me to do my whole one then? I didn't know what you wanted to do. Because we, you guys wanted to make this like a two-parter? Oh, no, we, we got plenty of we time. We got plenty of time? Okay. We have plenty of time. Yeah, keep going. You're good. Okay. Because during all the – when they find the prophecy and stuff, then they start hearing shit flying through the school – uh, they, they go into the principal's office, and they see the principal has his neck snapped on, on his desk, and he's laying there with his neck snapped. Uh, there's blood all over the walls and shit, and everything just looks fucked up. And then 
you know, they're in the gym. The Sprouse twins are in the gym. I believe it, yeah. Yeah, the Sprouse twins, the Wyndham brothers are in the gym. And they're fucking, like, shooting hoops and stuff and, and not taking it seriously. And uh, Cole Sprouse is pretty much Sale. That's Sale's character. He's talking to his brother, Brad, and he's like, dude, this is all, bull- like, what's going on here? We got to get out of here. We got to get to dad. And then the gym doors just fucking rush open and the killer's there with an axe. Oh. And so that they have a moment where they look at each other and they're like, should we fight against them or should we walk away? And uh, Brad, who's kind of got the balls of the group, he's like, he fucked up our brother. We have to do something. But Sal's like, no, no, we have to go. And while they're doing this, fucking the monster throws an axe and it goes right through Sal's forehead. And fucking, and and Brad's obviously very shook and upset, so he starts running, and so Cole Sprouse is out of the equation now. We already killed that motherfucker. And Brad's running through the hallways. He's trying to find somebody. He's yelling, and then he he eventually runs into what's her name, Uh, Lori. Okay. And he's like, "What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" And then she she's like like what what the fuck's going on what the fuck's going on, and then Ed the killer's running down the hall as they're fucking doing all this, and, and then she starts freaking the fuck out and she's because she's trying to get to the elementary school to look for her daughter Brooke, but they're all too scared to leave, and I and eventually the whole group gets together and they get chased out of the high school and they get chased down the street and then the killer starts sprinting. And when he starts sprinting, then they're like, holy shit. Uh, but eventually, you know, they get away from him. They get to a car. And then Brad, he's able to hotwire the car real quick. And then they get the fuck out of there. Now, we pan to the hospital. And they're finding something to patch Randy up with. Now, Randy, he's fucking, he's like, I need some weed, man. Like, he's, he's the funny one. That's the guy that played Dylan in the quarry. He's just kind of. Like, he's the comic relief of the story. Okay. And he's trying to, like, have a good time and shit. And, and they're like, dude, we got to get you help. We got to get you help. And uh, he's like, dude, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> it's just like that. And, and during all this, Travis fucking just walks in with his fucking arm missing and just drops to his knees and, like, can somebody give me a hand? And then it, and that's like a funny part because it's like he doesn't have a head. <laughs> and, and because there's a little comedy like sprinkled out through all this because there's like little horror homages like uh, Miles Robin, that Dylan from the Quarry, his name being Randy as for like Randy Meeks, mm-hmm. and uh, Nev Campbell's character being named Laurie, like for Laurie Strode and stuff like that. So there is like little Easter eggs thrown out and like it's a little love letter to it, but from there. They're patching uh, Travis up, and uh, Travis says, "What if this is all for nothing?" And he's he's and he's on the bed. He's like, "What if you're doing all this?" And he's gonna just come and fuck us up anyway. And then uh, Eliza Dushku's character is like, "Don't worry about that. We're gonna get you out of this. I'm I'm gonna make sure you're okay." And she's like, "And my my wife is a big time doctor too, and she can really help you when we find her." And you know, he starts to feel better, but then he has like a little like seize, not a seizure, but he starts like, you know, compulsing a little bit because mm-hmm. he's lost a lot of blood and he falls on the ground. When he does that, the door bursts open. The killer comes in and stomps on his head. <laughs> like a grape. <laughs> like a grape. <laughs> so that's how he goes. And uh, 
yeah, it ain't good. And, and <laughs> he gets exploded everywhere. And, and fucking, obviously, the girls are freaking the fuck out. Eliza Dushku and Allison, who are getting very close. That, that's what's really important. Is those two chicks are getting very close. And they're not really close with Nev Campbell because she's away with the other group. And, and they're really developing a bond. And uh, so they run away. They, they get to Randy and John. And Randy and John actually start trying to fight the killer. And, and they actually do pretty good. And they do a montage to where they're, like, hitting them with the hospital shit, throwing shit at them. And they're also, like, tackling them to the ground. But then the killer gets to jump on Randy. He grabs him by the throat and holds him at the throat until he, he cracks. A classic horror movie death. He's bleeding through his eyes. He's starting to, like, pop out of his brain. And John's watching it happen because he threw him to the, uh, across the room and his head hit the wall. So he's sitting there like a concussed state watching his friend be choked to death. Damn. The girls get to him and they get the fuck out of there. And then the camera pans and it goes to, uh, you know, Brad, Lori, and Rebecca. And they're driving to the fucking, uh, to, to leave town to an exit and they see that the exit's blocked off and they're like what the i mean this doesn't make any sense it, like it's blocked off by like trees and shit i'm kind of pulling the like the society that netflix show when they tried to leave and it was all like greenery and shit okay but it's not really like it, it looks like it could be woods but it's also like it's just kind of closed off like you just can't get through and, and then they're like freaking out like what the fuck do we do what the fuck do we do and then when they look behind them the killer's right there and it just, it makes no sense how this dude dressed from one part of the town. It's like kind of that Jason, like he can be anywhere at it. Even like Michael, when they were calling him the shade, because he could show up in any fucking moment. That's kind of what this guy is. And, uh, you know, obviously they're freaking out. They're in the car. So he runs up to the car and flips it over. They all start crawling out of the windows. He grabs Bella Thorne, snaps her neck in front of everybody. And then he fucking grabs the car and throws it on her body <laughs> for an extra smush. The other two walk away. Brad's freaking out, Dylan Sprouse, and him and Nev Campbell just start running on the other side of town. And then the killer starts picking up her head and licking her head. Uh, Bella Thorne. Her dead, her like brains like the smash. And he's not eating, but he's just licking. He's just licking. Okay, he's just sick. Savoring the taste. He's savoring the taste. He's okay. not eating at all, but he's just licking the lollipop. Okay. And then he fucking throws it down. And, and that's what kind of gives them time to run away. It's very sick. In the center of town, both groups meet. They don't know what the fuck's going on. But Brad, because he was in the high school, tells them, because he asked them, where's Travis? Uh, Eliza Dushku and them were like Travis is over there down there and like <laughs> Travis is all over the hospital his brains are splattered I, I don't know what to tell you and he's like both my brothers are dead this is fucking bullshit and we read some shit that one that somebody's up to this in this room and that's when he reveals in the prophecy it says that an older woman is someone they have to sacrifice somebody they have to sacrifice somebody they love and that brings the angel of death and it brings hell to this small town and it cleanses the town. Mm. And then everyone's looking at Nev Campbell and Eliza Dushku, who's uh, Nev Campbell's missing her daughter and Eliza's missing her fucking, uh, her girl, her wife. And they're like, which one of you motherfuckers fucked this pretty much. Now, Eliza Dushku has gotten such a good reputation with Allison, Anya Taylor-Joy at this point, to where Allison trusts her. And uh, no one likes Nev Campbell. They're like, you're a spooky bitch. And they think it could be her. 
Then the killer starts marching up towards, and they're like, this has to end, this has to end, what's going on? And then Brad's like, one of you bitches need to fucking come forth. This is fucking bullshit. And while he's doing it, nobody sees it. They're like, Brad, Brad, Brad. He's like, no, this is fucking bullshit. My brothers are dead. And, and then hand through the fucking back out the oh. gut. And Brad's just fuck that. And Dylan Sprouse is shaking and shit. Through that. And Damn. then he fucking goes out, grabs both sides of the body, and stretches it apart and rips it in half. And then throws it on the ground. And then the killer's for the first time talks and says, I, I, I hear you, you realize why I'm finally here. He says, the angel of death has come to collect. And he's like, and one of you have called me here. And then they're freaking the fuck out. They start running. And while they're running, Nev Campbell's like, Allison, come with me. And Eliza's like, no, come with me. And Allison doesn't know what to do. And she doesn't know who to pick. And she's very scared. And John's like, I'll go with you. Cause they have this romantic thing at that point. Mason Goody, Chad, he's still in this bitch. And that's our uh, four that are still alive, I believe now. Okay. And they're running, they're running, and Allison goes with Eliza. And Mason's like, Mason Gooding, uh, John's like, I don't have a good feeling about this. So he goes with Nev Campbell. And then they kind of have like, what the fuck? You know? And they go in separate. And then, so they run to one car. The other two run to the other car. But while Eliza Dushku is with Allison, she's like, you know, I really love my wife, right? And she's like, yes, I, I know. And we're going to find her. And she's like, good. So they get in the car, and then they go back to the hospital to, to get away. And while they're driving, like, they're driving away, and they see Sarah Michelle Geller on the side of the street. And she's like, she's here, she's here, she's here. Eliza Dushku gets out, and Sarah Michelle Geller's like, I'm so glad you're here, I'm so glad you're here. And they have this reunited, and everyone's very happy. And then the killer shows up. And Allison gets so scared. And then she walks, the killer walks up to both of them. And Eliza Dushku, and both of them are standing there. And they're saying, we understand, and we did this for a reason. And then Allison's like, what the fuck? What the fuck's going on? Oh, they did it. Yes. And then they get into the reveal. And then (laughs) that... uh, Eliza Dushku essentially sacrificed Nev Campbell's daughter to do all this because Sarah Michelle Geller had cancer and to save her and to, to like save her wife that she had to sacrifice dun, dun, dun. something pure and innocent to bring. And now the angel of death is going to cleanse the rest of the town for them. So he gives them a pass. He says, you two could walk. And then he starts running after Allison. And he fucking, he hits her, he, he grabs out a machete real quick and he slices her on the arm and she starts running away. And then she reunites with Nev Campbell and fucking, what's it, John. And she gives the big reveal to them. And Nev Campbell's like, I'm going to kill these fucking bitches. Because they killed their daughter. She has a moment where she's crying and she doesn't know what to do and she doesn't want to go. But Allison's like, we have to stay tough. We have to finish this. So the angel of death pops back up and he's chasing them. But they kind of realize in the prophecy, uh, because uh, Brad mentioned it at the end that if they eliminate what made the sacrifice, everything will go away. So there's a big fight scene at the end. Uh, there's multiple school buses. <laughs> there's like this whole town. There's a big like wreck. They run into the angel of death. They try to get him out of the way, but they also end up at the couple's house and the couple are on the roof and there's a big standoff on the roof. And they said, and they beat Nev Campbell fucking punches Eliza Dushku in the face like a hundred times to where she like starts smashing her face. 
and they have to get her off her like you're going crazy. And Sarah Michelle Geller just gets fucking, you know, she gets so, because that's the love of her life. So then she jumps off the building. And then the angel of death, who's got John, he stabs John like through the chest with the machetes. John's about to die and he's about to. And then that's when all that happens. And then you see the the angel of death fucking disappears and the light starts popping up. He's bleeding, but Allison runs over to John to make sure he's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's our three survivors, Nev Campbell, Mason Gooding, and Anya Taylor-Joy. Okay. And that is the story of wind. The story of wind. There would be a lot more scenes and shit, but that's how I sim- simplized it. And it. What do you think? Um, it's something I would watch. Fuck yeah. Definitely. Definitely I'm, something I would watch. I tried not to make it too crazy and too intricate, but I wanted to have a fun couple twists and turns in there too. And Eliza Dushku kind of works as evil a little bit. Yes, she does. Like her work on Buffy. And then putting, bringing those two back together and making them a lesbian couple just felt right. So. It just felt right. Yeah, I would, and I would do it a lot differently than the way I laid it out, of course, but that's what I came up with in like four or five days. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that would, if I was like given, and even if it was lesser actors and you don't need all those people, that was just who I envisioned for the role in a big capacity if I had the money. But you can fill all those roles with indie actors and make the same movie. And besides some of the kills, I don't have too much gore. And a lot of those, like the hand through the chest, like practical effects could be done. So if we want to talk about getting this movie made, I feel like it wouldn't be the hardest thing on planet Earth. No, not at all. Not at all. I think it might take like 200 to $300,000, but that's cheap nowadays. So I, I like I think you could uh, and do some good fog effects and do some good stuff in editing. I think you could easily do something like this. There's not too much supernatural stuff, mm-hmm. and the action stuff at the end just doesn't it. That's just if we have the budget, we can throw it in. Yeah. But it can, it can literally be anything. So that's what I had. Okay. Um, mine's completely different. That's fine. <laughs> I didn't like do any casting. Let's. Or anything. That's cool. Like I didn't realize that you're doing that. I thought you were just coming up with the same place. You're good. Um, but basically, my project is, was it, it's kind of like untitled. But if I had to give it a title right now, it would be called. What was I going to call it? A twins protection. That's what I was going to call it. Twins protection. A twins protection. I like that. Okay. So you got two twins, but they're not identical. They're actually fraternal. You got one boy, one girl. Boy's name is Billy. Girl's name is Becca. They basically have been each other's like go-to from the beginning. Like Billy has a lot of things wrong with his brain. It causes him to do things which aren't very good. So Becca, being the smart kid that she is and having all the brains and the geniuses and whatnot, she takes responsibility for everything he does. Yeah. So, like, when they're really little, he kills the family cat. And instead of getting him in trouble or letting him take the fall for the cat, she takes the little bastard out into the fucking woods and digs the little fucking grave for it and then leaves the cat. And goes back home. Oh, shit. And it's just like the cat just ran away. Damn. Okay, so she rides. Yeah, she rides. She's she's his ride or die. Because she knows there's something wrong with his brain. And what are the names again? And he's not thinking right. Billy is the boy, Becca is the girl. Okay, Billy and Becca. Yeah. 
And Becca is very, very protective of Billy. She really doesn't even like anyone to talk to him. Mm -hmm. Like, if she, I have this one scene that I have of him talking to a strange girl who's trying to find her way around. Because unlike Daniel, I did not add a bunch of, like, eight or so characters. Yeah, you didn't have a big ensemble cast. I didn't have a huge ensemble cast. Um, But it could be. So, I mean, this this is just an idea. Uh, but basically, she catches him talking to a young lady, and he brings the young lady home, and he snaps. He's 16. He's getting to be that sexual-like age, and he snaps. And she comes home and finds her brother, her twin brother, standing over a dead body. Jesus Christ. And she's like, what the fuck? And like, they live together. We did point. not fucking Alright, well, I actually skipped this part. I'm sorry. No, you're good. So, the way they were basically abandoned was when they were 10 years old and their mother ran away from their dad and then their dad killed himself. Okay. So, they don't have anybody. So, they're one of those that get to live and go to school and they have their own property and stuff. Yeah, like and okay. she basically takes care of everything. As okay. far as the school is concerned, they have parents. No one really knows the truth. Oh, shit. Okay. She keeps it all on the hush hush low. Oh, that's low. a cool little. She doesn't want to make. She wants to make sure that her brother's not going to get taken away. Yeah. Because she knows that if she does it the right way, they're going to get separated. Yes. So she does whatever she can to keep them together. And then when she's around six years later, she's starting to get really like into girls and everything. And she's like, listen, like, I've protected you our entire lives, motherfucker. Do not go out there and do something so fucking horrible that we have to fucking move again. Yeah. Because this is ridiculous. I'm sick and tired of fucking cleaning up after you. And so basically you get kind of like the tiredness, like I'm done. Kind but of she helps him bury it and shit. But, I mean, she's, she's going to help. So Jesus. then she comes in the house and she sees him standing over this dead chick. And she's like, what the fuck? I thought I told you not to bring any girls home. And he's like, I know, but things got intense, and yeah. And she said, do you remember? And he's like, no. And he just starts pacing, like, back and forth and back and forth. And she's like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And she sits there for a second, and she thinks. And then she remembers that there's a lake on their property. So, in a boat. And so, in the backyard, she has mud blocks. So, you get one going with it. So yeah. she takes the body with a couple of cement blocks, leaves it in the lake and whatnot, covers up for Billy again. As far as everyone's concerned, this girl is just missing and Billy had nothing to do with her. Until Becca finds out that this girl told her brother where she was going. Jesus. So two days later, she has this random ass motherfucker knocking on the door, being like, where's my sister? And she's like, I don't... I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's just me. I live by myself. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have I don't have friends. Yeah. And he is like, you're lying. I know you live with somebody else. I met your brother. And she's like, what? what? You met my brother? What the fuck? So she pulls him inside so they can talk about it and everything and whatnot. And she just ends up going ahead and grabbing a hammer out of her back pocket and fucking smashing him in the fucking head. She don't got to talk about shit. Because at this point, at this point, she snapped. Okay, so she at snapped too. At this point, too. Billy's, she's not protecting Billy anymore. At this point, 
she's just doing it because she likes it. You can tell. Yeah. You can tell from the way that she looks when she's done doing it. He even says to her, like, I thought you were doing this to protect me. And she said, I was at first. Jesus. But you can't ignore destiny. Yeah, that's good. Um, so then basically it all comes to a head with the sheriff's department when they find all of these missing people and whatnot, and they trace it all back to Becca and Billy. And Becca tells them that it was all, well, actually she tells Billy that she's going to tell the sheriff that it was all her. And she hasn't stayed inside. She goes and wraps out her brother. Oh! Yeah, she goes to the sheriff. Oh! And she sheriff everything about her brother. Fucking snitch, Becca! Yeah. So Billy ends up in an insane asylum for the rest of his fucking life. And Becca ends up being a serial killer, kind of like... Oh, my God. Fuck. I can't even remember. Like a serial killer these days. Like, look at Jeffrey Dahmer. Or okay. Like a famous serial killer. Yeah. And they never catch her because they always think that it could have been her other twin. Damn. Yeah. Damn. That's good. So she, like, like let him go crazy. Yeah. And let him go crazy to throwing him under the bus. Yeah, and then she she could use that to, yeah, that was, that's good. And that's a cool little psychological, and first of all, that's another one where you could make that movie easily, you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, like maybe like $20,000 even cheaper mm-hmm. and just the right actors. And that all you need is like two good roles mm-hmm. and, and that's it. Exactly. And, like all I need is a set of twins that are really, really good together. Yeah. And, and not even a set of cool, a boy and a girl and as long as they act like twins, it'd be fine. Yeah. But that's a really good idea too. I like that. I like, and it's, I like it because, like you, like you said, two completely different ideas, yeah. two completely different like sub like genres of the genre. Yeah, he but, sees her as a protector, and she sees herself after a while as basically the burden cleanup. Yeah, like he's her burden, and she's got to clean up after it. So finally, she's like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna do it." Yeah, but I can see that being a really good like psychological crime type, you know, It's horror. definitely less horror, more psychological thriller. Yeah. I was a little upset with myself because it didn't have that many kills in it. But you could still put those, like, scenes of, like, her finding her and her brother snapping and, she, and like, and just her, like, when she takes out the dude with the hammer, you can make those very eerie, creepy scenes mm-hmm. where you, like, show, like, the kind of mental breakdown of her. And then her also psychologically becoming kind of a genius and figuring out that she's going to blame her brother and shit. Yeah. And, like, I feel like all that kind of works and like you're seeing like like a really good horror can be like the formation of something crazy like that mm-hmm. and i feel like that really works and that could be like a better version of your poor agnes or something like that. Watch it. i would watch it for sure right. i would definitely watch it because i think you know it's it's a it's another thing that i'm into in horror to where it's like you got a small cat and to me that's the writing horror if they're like, which movie would you write? And they even had R2, I'd be like, I would write yours first. Because as, as like a young writer and stuff, it's good to like kind of flex and practice with like three or four core characters mm-hmm. and like really make those characters good and make the movie like something special. And then, you know, kind of, and then make the fucking movie with like eight, nine people and you're killing them all off. And like, cause mine does not have much character development besides like three or four people in the movie. Yeah. Whereas you, you only have like, 
three or four people in the movie, but they all have massive character development. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that really like works. And I think that would be really good to see. I would watch it for sure. Okay. I could see that as like a Netflix original too. Like I could see that as like not, not even like a low budget, but like just something that like Netflix puts out and, and a lot of people watch it. Okay. I could see it as one of those. I liked it. All right. I think we both had really good pitches. I think you did too. Good job. Good job. Uh, we, we did, we filled the episode pretty good. Do you want to go to Reddit or do you want to head out? I think we're good. Okay. Um, uh, we can always make that a whole nother episode and we'll read fan ones and, exactly. and, and react. Exactly. We, we can do that. Um, so we're heading in to the month of June and I know Daniel wants to do the Freddy Krueger series. Yes. Is there anything you want to do before Nightmare on Elm Street? If we can finish House of Ashes, I'm down to review that. I don't know if we can maybe find some time this week or something. Or... Well, I only have four hours this week because we're okay. switching me around and everything. So maybe we can co- have you come over after work for me a couple times yeah. and do something on Saturday or something. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then we'll we'll review the Ashley Tisdale-led because we want to do all the super massive games. I want to kill her so bad. So we started playing House of Ashes. We, we just got to the ore elements. We haven't really dove deep into it yet yeah it's kind of slow it, starting off it's about to get fucking crazy though because i played it once before i'm excited for you to see it so uh we'll get into that and then we'll review that next week another interactive horror game that's like a All movie right. sounds good uh so we'll do that and then we'll hop in uh freddy as we get closer to june all right so i'm gonna give you all a big old hootie hoo and we'll see everybody next week have a nice spooky week what time it's time it's Beta!